You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Hey, good morning. I I want to be a part of a church that's alive, a church that has purpose, a church that's not same old, same old, that really has a reason uh, why we gather and go together. And I'm thankful that you are a part of this uh, gathering this morning. My name is Dean, the pastor here at City Church. Thanks for making this part of your Sunday. This is the day we've been praying for and looking forward to, and that's getting to share this Let's Go vision with everyone who's here today. Uh, For the next uh, five weeks, we're going to be in a series called Let's Go. It's really going to look at what it looks like to be the people of God. And what the people of God are to be a part of, and I think it's important for everyone here, regardless of where you are kind of on your faith journey and story, uh, to actually know what it looks like to be a part of God's people, to be a part of the local church. And we're calling this vision Let's Go, which is a two-year expression of our vision to be for the gospel and for the city, to expand our reach in Tallahassee and beyond. Why? Because we really actually believe this stuff. Like, we really actually believe that Jesus rose from the grave. We really do believe that God loves all people. We don't think anyone in our city is too far away from God. That God's love is for them, that they will trust in Jesus and believe and turn from this world to Christ. Right now, our ushers are going to come forward and begin passing out one of these guidebooks. It's going to be helpful as part of your discipleship journey to help you grow in your faith over the last, over the next uh, two, two, five weeks, excuse me. And we love for every person to have one. There's going to be a normal sermon today, but just to go over this just for a minute, inside there's a ton of information. And I just want to hit on a few of the things you'll find in here. On the first page is a place for you to put your name, so grab a pen from the seat back in front of you. Hopefully nobody stole one and ganked one of our pens. And uh, write your name from 8.30 and write your name in it. As you look through the book, you'll find all the details that you just heard in the video. How we plan to go from our church, for the city, and to the world. There's a section on new environments uh, with pictures and plans for the spaces you just heard about. And as you heard on the video, these new environments include expanded kids space, student space for middle school and high school, small group classrooms, as well as a new main auditorium. So starting on page 49, you'll find a spot for weekly sermon notes, page 49, where you can follow along every week during the message. You can go ahead and turn there now as you get your book. And we've also included a daily Bible reading plan. One thing we hear often is, I want to read my Bible. I'm just not quite sure how to get started. We want to help you with that. There's a reading plan and a prayer guide, as well as city group guides to use at your group if you're a part of one, which we'd love for you to be. Uh, There's a section with important dates. We want to make plans now for you to join us throughout the month of October to say, you know what, we got a lot going on, we're busy, but for the month of October, we're going to be here and be a part of this and celebrate what it means to be part of the people of God. There's also a card in the seat back in front of you with information as well. So this is your first time here ever at City Church, or you hadn't been back to church in a long time. You might be thinking, oh no, I came on Money Sunday. Well, you did not. Fear not. Uh, You're not here on Money Sunday. You're here on Vision Sunday. And I think it's actually the perfect time to be here for the first time ever or to come back after being gone for a while so you can see who we are and what we're striving to be as a church. I truly believe this is the best, seriously, the best time you could be joining us. Because a lot of times, I guess I see like men sometimes, I get it. It's like, man, like there's a lot of things I could be doing. You know, church is just kind of church. And, you know, it's just sort of an obligation. I went when I was a kid. It's not really my scene. No, I want to be a part of something. I want to be a part of something that's alive, that has purpose, that's vibrant, that's dynamic. Like that's something that's actually worth my time and worth my life and worth my investment and worth me getting up in the morning after I stayed up late watching the Pac-12 game the night before or whatever. 
whatever it might be. And I hope that during this time you can see uh, that God's plan for the local church really is for all of us. Uh, you can find a ton of information in your guidebook about this vision. We're a church with vision. And we even have an FAQ section we'd love for you to check out. We'll be sharing details and information online at citychurchletsgo.com all month long. What an exciting time to be a part of this church family as we seek to reach the next generation and our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into today's message. Father, we are thankful for your love for us. I'm thankful there's no one in this room that has outsinned your love, that it is for all people, that you have provided the way for us back to you to be forgiven of our sins, to restore our relationship with you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I ask that above all things, that the name of Jesus will be made center, and we will glorify his great name. Thank you for those in this room who walked in today, and I ask that you speak to them through the scriptures and through the stories today of, of what it means to be part of your people, to invite people to be part of it, and that what happens here will bring you glory and make your name known, not just in this room, but in Tallahassee and beyond to the ends of the earth. Pray for our missionaries who are overseas uh, right now. I pray for Cam and Sophie uh, who are in Thailand, as you know, because you sent them. Pray for Ashlyn in London. I pray for Nate and Abby who are in Michigan. Lord, we lift all of them up to you. And I ask that right now that everything we do will bring you glory, that you'll keep the enemy out of this place and out of these plans, and you'll be with every church in Tallahassee as they all gather today. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's talk about let's go and life as God's people and what that means. So as a Christian, so you profess faith in Jesus Christ. As a Christian, how you view the local church is one of the most important things about your faith. So I think a logical conclusion to that would be, if it's one of the most important things about your faith, it means it's one of the most important things about you. How you view the local church is one of the most important things about your faith, which means it is one of the most important things about you. And we're kind of in a crisis right now in America with how professing Christians often view the local church. Maybe it's either an eye roll, not worth my time, a bad experience, a nice thing, we'll get there when I can kind of idea, all over the map. And this series is an opportunity to hopefully strengthen your faith. We want to see everyone grow in their relationship with Christ, to add depth more and more to their faith, and to also maybe learn and shift some of your thinking about the significance of God's design, this church, the local church specifically. And God has a mission. He's a missional God and expects every Christian to be part of it, expects every Christian to be on it. Acts chapter 16, verse 5, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. So the churches were strengthened in their faith. They were growing. They were becoming more like Jesus. Their faith was strengthening. They were being discipled. Real depth was happening. They were becoming more aware of God's love for them and why that mattered and what it meant to be part of God's people. And also at the same time, grew daily in numbers. So they're building up and they're reaching out. The Christians are growing and maturing and becoming more passionate about Jesus. And what's it leading them to? Going and sharing and telling others and being a part of God's mission. And both are happening at the same time. It's being strengthened in faith and it's also growing daily in numbers. When I read Acts 16 verse five, there's one thing that comes to mind and it's a question. Why not Tallahassee? Why can't we see Acts 16.5 happen here in our city, happen here in our community? Because it's a really big gospel. 
And by gospel, I mean the good news what Jesus Christ has come to do for sinners. It's a massive gospel, which equals and means we have a really big mission. And I worry, and I'm not here to judge or throw shade, but when I read that verse and think about our community and what's just kind of happened here for generations regarding church, I worry too many Christians aren't interested in Acts 16.5 happening in our city. That's just an afterthought. It sounds nice, maybe a thing of the past. But my prayer is that it can happen right in front of our eyes in our lifetime. Don Carson, who's a great New Testament scholar, writes this. There are surprisingly, this might be interesting to you, few references to the universal church, kind of the big capital C, all the churches in the New Testament. The overwhelming majority of the occurrence of the word church refers to local churches. That's always been God's design is actual individual local congregations in real cities with real people. So we could say the church doesn't have a mission, but the mission has a church. The church doesn't have a mission necessarily, but the mission of God has churches. So as a part of this mission, what we need to be for Tallahassee is a dynamic and vibrant church for our city. One that is alive. One that actually believes the Bible and isn't afraid to preach it and talk about it. One that provides some stability in cultural chaos. One that cares deeply about the next generation. One that is passionate about Jesus Christ. Not an afterthought or a hobby. But we really do believe that Easter Sunday is real. One that thinks every single member is a missionary. That God wants to use for his glory and his name in our community. A vibrant and dynamic church I think is the greatest expression of what we can possibly be for our city. To be for the gospel and for the city definitely starts there. And God has invited people like us, gathered in churches like ours, to join him in fulfilling his greatest desire and purpose. And what are God's greatest desires and purposes, according to the scriptures? Is to be glorified. His name be made known in the salvation of his people. Where he takes ordinary lives like ours and gives us an extraordinary calling. Ordinary lives. Most folks in this room are probably just regular folks. Nothing ultra dynamic about you. You're just doing your thing, trying to be faithful, being, trying to be a good dad, good mom, good employee, good boss, do things right. Just regular folks with an extraordinary calling as to be part of God's mission here on earth. But the world has a different message. God's desires make his glory known, his greatness known, his love known to the whole world, but what does our society want? Wants the opposite of that. Because all the messaging is for the exalting of us. The exalting of us. God wants to make his name great. Our culture says, no, make your name great. Think about it. How many divorces, financial catastrophic decisions, brokenness, pain are a result of somebody telling you, you just do you. You just do more of what makes you happy. You only live once. Who cares what anybody thinks? You just be who you want to be and do what you want to do. God says, I want to make my name known. 
I want you to find your happiness in me, and the world says, no, 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 you just do you. We still don't know what that means for you to do you. We still don't know what that means. But whatever that means, you just go do that. And there's a wreckage all around us as a result of somebody thinking their purpose in life is to do whatever they feel in the moment will make them happy. So what do we need? We need what I call a good kind of echo chamber. Echo chambers are often frowned upon, and they can be really negative. If you have an echo chamber on social media, only hear one opinion all the time, it can get you a little riled up, lose perspective a little bit of the world around you, watch this, you know, only get news from one place and only hear one opinion, and that can be pretty negative oftentimes and kind of can create, uh, you know, just kind of an unrealistic world for you. But there can be also a good kind of echo chamber. And the local church can serve as that, and by that I mean bringing people together to remind us all that we're not crazy that there are, are other people besides you who actually believe that Jesus rose from the grave. There actually are people around you who believe there is one God and that he created us to know him and be in relationship with him. But we said, God, no thanks. I don't want what you've given me. I want what I want. I want, I want your stuff, but not you. So we sinned against him. And God, being a holy and just God, can't let sin go unpunished. What kind of holy God would that be? So rather than punishing us as our sins deserve, he so loved the world that he gave his only son, that Jesus would live a perfect life that I could never live and you could never live. He would die a death that we deserved, rise from the grave three days later, ascend to heaven, and one day it's coming back again, and the result of his work for us is we're forgiven. We stand before God washed, our sins washed away, that Jesus' blood shed assured us that ours would never have to be in terms of it atoning for our sins because we've already failed, we've already violated God's law, yet Jesus never failed, conquered the grave. And the reason why we call the gospel good news is because God did for us what we could never do for ourselves, which is reconcile us back to him in relationship. We need people to remind us that this is the good news and I'm not the only person in Tallahassee who believes those things. The local church serves as that, that you're not crazy for the things you believe and the things you stand for. We need that together. Jonathan Parnell wrote this, that the local church is a community of Christians who live as the on-the-ground expression of the greatness and glory of Jesus Christ. What a quote. Leave that up there for a second so you can just kind of grab it. It's a community of Christians who live as the on-the-ground expression. 2 Corinthians 5 says we're Christ's ambassadors as though he was making his appeal through us. That's what's happening there in that quote. And we do this by advancing his gospel in reach and in depth. And the local church is the primary center of worship, the center place of what God uses for evangelism, disciple making, and overall ministry. That's why Paul in the Bible plants local churches. He appoints leaders for them. He writes letters to them because they are the plan and you're part of it. Matthew chapter 28, I'm gonna work through here this morning. I did a wedding yesterday. I said Matthew 28 so you can find it if you're on your phone or in the Bible, wherever it might be, or on the screen in just a minute. But I did a wedding yesterday with some friends in Jacksonville. And one thing I said at the ceremony was, I was standing up there, we just started, and I, and I said, wow, I said, what a neat privilege it is to be a part of a wedding. Of course, it's the bride and the groom, but also everyone who's there. Because in that moment, every single guest, whether they realize it or not, is participating in God's design. God created marriage. It wasn't our idea. We didn't make it up. God created it. He created a man and woman to be married together as husband and wife, united together. Like, what, what an amazing thing to think about. Like, in God's grand design, he came up with this. 
And I said, what a neat thing to be players in this, to participate in God's design by being here to celebrate this wedding. And the same thing is true of the local church. God has two institutions, the family and the church. By simply being, there's more to it than this, but by simply being here today, you're participating in God's grand plan for his people, which is the church. So we said regular folks with an extraordinary mission, common folks with an uncommon task and calling. Matthew 28, Jesus already rose from the grave, Easter already happened, already had ham at Nana's, already wore your lily dress, already wore your bow tie, seersucker suit, did the egg hunt, it's already happened. And here's what he tells the people who have been following him closely for three years. We see this, that Jesus came near. That alone is amazing to me. That our God comes near to his people. He's not too distant. He hasn't forgot about you. He's not unrelatable. He came near. And he said to them, our God speaks we're told in the book of Hebrews, in the past, he spoke to the prophets and through the law, but now he speaks to us by his son. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What a declaration that Jesus is the one who has all authority. It's common to hear today things like, well, who are you to say? You know, who put you in charge? What authority do you have to speak that way? And here's Jesus saying, I am the one who has all of it. It's been given to me in heaven and on earth. Colossians 1 says that all things are under his feet, that he holds all things together, the one by which all things are made. And here's that one now speaking to regular people in a regular place, guys who are fishermen, who are just trying to earn a living. And Jesus called them to something greater, himself and his mission. And he says, go, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Expand this reach because we have a message and a mission. Expand this reach, why? Because I'm alive standing right in front of you, which means I'm exactly the one I claim to be. So when I said that I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, that may have, you may have gone, eh, maybe not. What if you're sincere? What if all roads lead to the same place? That all makes sense if Jesus is still dead. But because he's alive, he has all authority over all things. So when we speak his words, when we speak the words of the scriptures, we speak as people reading the actual words of God with authority. He says, because of all that, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Take this message out. People need to know. It's only going to be good news if it gets there on time. People need to know that God has sent his only son to redeem a people to themselves. That he has not left us to stay in our sins. That he does not punish us as our sins deserve. He's a loving God and an active God and a God who is on mission to bring the people back to himself. And not just to bring them once and one time only, but we want them to become disciples. To see that life with God is better to see what abundant life actually looks like to follow Jesus rather than this world. He says baptizing them. So there is an actual conversion element there. That they're to go tell people who don't know God about God. And that he is understood through the work of Jesus Christ. 
And they're not baptized them in any name. It's the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. There is one name that is above all names, and that is the name that they are to take to the nations as they make disciples. If you can't tell, this fires me up a little bit. And then he says this, teaching them. There's a walking, mentoring, coaching, declaring role that takes place here to observe everything I have commanded you. Because we're not just saving them from the punishment of sin, we're saving them to something, and that's life with God. Part of God's family. Truly a better way of life, but not better the way the world defines it. A way of life that matters through all eternity in a well that never runs dry. Then he says this, and I, I'm sitting there, I'd be going, that's a really big task. I don't know if I had the chops for that. That just kind of sounds like a lot. That's like getting, you know, called up to varsity, like from the middle school team in seventh grade and told to play quarterback. It's like, thanks, but whoa, whoa. Just sounds like a lot. But what does he say? Remember, keep this in mind. I'm with you always. And then soon we see the Holy Spirit fill the people to carry out the task that God had called them to. And I'm not just with you for a moment. I'm here to the end of the age. See, our mission is a tangible one. And if we're told by Jesus to make disciples of all nations, a fair question is, okay, it's lofty, but where do we start? What's like the starting point, like literally? Parnell adds this, the gospel isn't an ideological movement for abstract, amorphous peoples. It's good news proclaimed to people who are surrounded by the concreteness of somewhere some place, some people, the wareness, W-H-E-R-E, the wareness of it all matters in the scriptures. Especially in the book of Acts, we see the church start to develop and grow. In January, we're going to go verse by verse through the book and work through it for a considerable amount of time. It matters for the mission of the church, the somewhereness of it all. Somewhere and some place. It matters. It's not vague, it's not generic. It starts somewhere. Places play a key role in the Bible. Churches are crucial in towns for Paul's missional strategy. So for us, the somewhere and some place is here in Tallahassee. That God wanted to reach Tallahassee. The college campuses, state government, neighborhoods, families, and he has a mission. So what did he do? He started churches. But something's happened far too often over time. Before we knew it, this huge mission, this extraordinary mission became kind of an afterthought, where church just kind of, eh, forgot about the next generation, functioned more as a country club, or a political subcategory talking point, or a judgmental hammer towards those who maybe have made mistakes before in their lives. The gospel stopped being center and before you know it, you have a city who's overchurched and completely underreached. And it can happen to any church, anywhere. Not on our watch. We want to believe this enough where we go forward together with this good news. I texted a friend, a pastor friend, uh, a little while ago, and I said, hey man, like, I'm just curious, um, just kind of thinking about some stuff church-wise and praying about a lot of things and 
there's, I, think there's, I think there's a lot of good churches in Tallahassee, and I'm thankful for that. And we're only 15 years old. So with that, you don't have like the years of endowments and you know, all these like generational things that, that are gonna be really helpful and valuable. But, what, but 15 years in, and God's a lot of amazing things to happen for us. And I said, just from your perspective, we think God's done it all, but like, what, what are some things that you think, just from the outside looking in, that kind of helped this become a reality in Tallahassee, this little church with a dream that had 20 people in a living room? I think eight had my last name, so they had to be there. You know, so, and he, he wrote, this is a text conversation. He wrote me this back. He said, the first thing that comes to mind is a fierce focus on reaching those who are far from God and wanting to see them grow up in their faith. A lot of other common local church strengths seem to happen naturally, but being fierce about reaching lost friends is hard to protect and keep. I think the simpleness, non-overcomplicated vision stuff helps. Let's reach people, period. That's just one man's opinion, but I said, wow. From our church, for the city, and to the world. Extraordinary, but at the same time, simple. One of the most countercultural things I think you can do in our world today is become an engaged member of a faithful local church. There's more to being a Christian than going to church. There's definitely not less. In our non-committal age, again, I'm not here to throw shade. I'm here to say the Christianity, Jesus brings about change in people. So things can change in your life and change for your family. A pastor friend of mine who's been pastor for years, seasoned guy, wrote this. He said, 24 years ago, I hated to see summer coming because it meant an exodus of middle-class young families from the church for multiple weekends at a time. Now I hate to see February to October coming. The modern addiction to activity, sports, and vacation never seems to end. Countercultural could be, hey, we're going to be, we think we're committed because we have 800 commitments. We're actually become very non-committal because of it. What would it look like to be different for your family? Well, I don't know. Is it your family? It's your, I, I don't know what you're, but what would it look like to be different? To still enjoy this life and enjoy the great things that God has given you and time together and all the, and, and, and the resources, enjoy all of it. But to say, you know what? Not at the expense of church not mattering to us. It's not too late for that. That's not judgment. That's encouragement for change. See, in our non-committal age, neither non-Christians nor Christians are naturally inclined to find a place to put down roots and make long-standing objective commitments for the glory of God for their family. Here's what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesians. He says, now to him, it's all about God, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. we're, We're supposed to not be able to fully understand that. Beyond what we could ask or think according to the power that works within us, the Spirit of God in us, to him. Not to us, not to City Church, not to the other great churches in town. To him. Be the glory in the church. His glory. And in Christ Jesus to all generations. Forever and ever, amen. The book of Judges chapter two, it talks about a generation who grew up that didn't know about God. How their, their ancestors followed God and knew God, and now a generation grow up who forgot about him and forgot about the works that he did in Egypt for his people. And you might think, oh, that's not gonna happen to us. We still have God in our house and God in our family, but 
that start, starts to become this kind of vague, generic, kind of cultural understanding of a big guy upstairs or the, the force from Star Wars or a divine Santa or a grandpa-type figure. Good luck charm. Jesus take the wheel. Something along those lines. Rather than the actual God of the universe who has spoken to us through the scriptures and told us exactly who he is and what that means for us. That verse haunts me from Judges. Judges chapter 2, it's like 6 through 10 and 11, around there. Re read it today. That a generation after them grew up who did not know God. That drives me. And I keep saying, not on our watch by God's grace. But what does this text say in Ephesians 3? It says that God's mission is his glory. To him be the glory in the church. It says that God is creating a kingdom for his glory. That he saves people for his glory. That he accomplishes his purposes for his glory. And he has placed us here in the church to participate in his mission and to bring him glory. And all he wants, and he wants us to go to all generations. It says for every generation. How incredible. We must be reminded of the beauty of belonging to a real place. And giving it a chance because God's designed it. The bride of Christ, the church for God's glory. Here's a little fact check. It's commonplace today to go, well, you know, it's just about my relationship with God. Like, I'm good. You know, me and God are fine. I'm spiritual. It's just about my personal relationship. I can have that anywhere. Like, I don't need all this stuff. And I would just ask you, where did you get that from? Like, who told you that lie? Does your personal relationship with God matter? Absolutely it does. But nowhere in the Bible is it an isolated away from the church kind of idea. It's about his mission through the church and how you play a part of it. That's a very American understanding, kind of Western middle class understanding of your role with God. Is oh, just kind of me and God, you know, we're just kind of cool and do our own thing. And you might be, but no, you're not participating in his design that he has given you. So what am I asking you to do and myself to do? And that's show up, build up, and show out. Show up, meaning, again, there's more to being a Christian than going to church, but there's not less. No one's taking attendance. No one's judging in the back. I work here, and I'm not here every week, okay? <laughs> like, we're realistic, okay? I enjoy it. But, but, like, if you're in town, like, hey, make a Saturday night decision that you're going to be at church on Sunday morning because it matters. Remember that good echo chamber, that good reminder, that good time together, but also the participation of what God has made that you get to be a part of. Build up. Build up your faith. And help build up this church. Grow in your knowledge of God. Grow in the knowledge of the one who says in 1 John that he loved you first. To grow in that. For this to actually matter. That it's not a hobby or a good luck charm. It matters. Build up. Also build up his mission. Then show out. Distinct lives point to a distinct God. Jesus said, let your light shine before others. They may see your good works. And as a result, not say, oh, wow, he's awesome, but be, bring glory to your Father in heaven. Show up, build up, show out. I hope you're excited about this vision of taking this good news from our church for our city. I'm so excited what we can do for Hang Tough and a Women's Pregnancy Center and other great ministries in town. And then to the world, I had this, this crazy goal as a church, sooner than later, that I want, this is lofty and it's bold, but again, regular people, big mission. I want our church to give away a million dollars a year to international missions. Wouldn't that be amazing? A million dollars a year, right? It's a big commission, right? A million dollars a year. With this Let's Go vision initiative, we're going to double 
our international missions giving and be pretty dang close to that number. Pretty darn close. What a cool thing to be a part of. What an amazing thing. We know this vision is huge and it only happens with all of us going in together. So here's what we believe. This is through a lot of elder conversations and prayer and everything you can imagine. We believe that God has given us a vision through the Great Commission in Tallahassee and forward. Why not Tallahassee? That includes $19 million of ministry over the next two years. That's everything. $19 million. Oh, you're fired up just saying that. It's all God's money. That means that's college ministry, kids ministry, that's international missions, that's church planting, that's a pregnancy center in town, that, that's, hang t- that's everything, expanded kids space, student center, all of it encompassed in one big vision that we're calling Let's Go. Not a separate fund over here, not a se- one big vision for two years of what this church could be in Tallahassee. And you might go, what? Now here's something that's just always kind of been a little hard for me. I know I'm a pastor, okay, I, 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 I get that, like, I, I get my perspectives to be a little bit different. But if someone said, man, they're going to give $19 million to, to a new school in town for school improvements, everyone would be like, that's great, take a picture, post it. Every football game, they bring somebody out in the middle of the field and say, the Jones family has given $2 million to a new football facility, and everyone's like, yay! $19 million for the Great Commission, it's like, eh. What if our perspective changed? What if we believe this mattered most? If you've been here before, you know in 15 years we have never talked about something like this. But we had the ball and the baton by God's grace. And it's time for us to move. So we're praying that out of that 19, people of City Church will make a $12 million investment in this vision. And our goal for Let's Go is 100% participation for everyone who calls the City Church home and that we see it as the greatest investment we can make for the gospel. So we're going to be asking for a financial commitment, not today, but I'm asking today for one commitment, and that's to make a commitment to making a commitment. Like this, my church? I might be new here going, man, whoa, okay, you baptized me with fire, baby, but let's go. I want to be part of something. I want to be part of something. Why have you not wanted to go to church before? Because you weren't excited about it. It didn't give anything you wanted to be a part of. It wasn't worth your life. This is worth it. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. I believe everybody in this room is going to play a role in moving us forward to the best place we can be. Not just for the future, but for now. So as you put your participation in this project in prayer before the Lord and ask God what he wants to do and then do it, it's not you helping it's you being a part of it because it's us, it's together. Saying we believe this stuff, we love Tallahassee, we believe the gospel needs to go to the ends of the earth, so together as a church, the best thing we could ever say is let's go. God's made a commitment to us through Christ. Philippians 1 says that he began a good work in us, we'll be faithful to complete it, so we're not trying to earn God's favor, we're trying to respond to the fact that God already loves us and there's a message to be made known. Man, I want to reach the next generation. Nothing fires me up than seeing Tuesday night packed with college students for our college worship service. Wednesday nights, middle school and high school here, with all the things going on in their lives and all the temptations and all the, and all the pressures, they can come here and meet college students who invest in their lives and sing songs and play games and hear about Jesus in an age-appropriate manner. And the City Church Kids is the most exciting part of somebody's week. We always joke, the first time you bring your kid, they're going to cry when you drop them off if they have a little bit of separation issues, and they're going to cry when you pick them up because they don't want to leave. 
That's our strategy. I believe this stuff. I know many of you do too. Let's see for the gospel, for the city together by being a dynamic and vibrant church. Hope you're with us because you are us. Let's keep talking for a few weeks about what it looks like to be part of the people of God. And then for the month of October, you know what? I want to be part of this. Like, we're going to make church a priority. Like, we're going to do it. In the same way we base our calendars around Fulton State's football schedule or whatever it could be, I base mine around Miami's football schedule. Yes, I know we lost Middle Tennessee State. I'm still recovering. Don't say anything about it. Thank you. But let this matter for us. And my wife and I are having this. My wife, Christy, over here, we're having the exact same conversation. What is looking for our family to commit to be a part of this? Uh, I, we had a vision night the other night, and I told our church, we're, uh, we're so committed to this vision as a family of reaching the next generation that uh, we're having another one, and on uh, March 5th, she's having a baby, number four. So I just want to tell you all that. Yeah, so pretty cool. We're like, hey, we want to reach the next generation so bad, we're going to have another in Sarah, so let's do it. So here we go. So, so uh, let's pray, and then uh, we'll, we'll uh, sing some good news about Jesus before we head out today. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that for those in this room who are Christians, that that good news was brought to us. If it was from a pastor, a parent, a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader, a young life leader, an FCA leader, whoever it may have been, that you use people. You use people to tell us about who you are and what you've done. So I ask that we'll respond to that privilege by going all in for your main design, the church. And for those in this room that maybe haven't been in a while or are just uneasy or indifferent or just checking it out, Lord, I ask you to open their eyes to see how incredible it is, flaws and all, to be a part of the people of God and what you're doing through the church. Lord, please use us. We know that no vision is too big for you, that you own it all. So we ask we'll be faithful here in Tallahassee. What would it look like for the church in Tallahassee to influence this city? That's what we're asking for you from you, to open up the gates for this vision to become a reality. We're thankful that you truly are in control. It's not cliche. You truly are the one who has all authority and rules and reigns forever, and that that same God and creator loves and knows us by name. Incredible. We're thankful. Thanks to these people. That's all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand up and sing about how marvelous God's love is for us.